0: In the next few meditations, I am going to comment on some paragraphs of St. Maria's most important homily, which he entitled, Towards Holiness. The reason why I say this is the most important homily that he preached is because he himself thought it was the most important of all. He says, in his opening paragraph, and this is the only paragraph we will comment, we are deeply moved and our hearts profoundly shaken when we listen attentively to that cry of St. Paul, quote, This is God's will for you, your sanctification. End quote. Today, once again, I set myself this goal And I also remind you and all mankind, this is God's will for us, that we be saints. So this is St. Josemaria's first paragraph, the opening paragraph of Towards Holiness, a homily given on November 26, 1967. And he focuses on the passage of St. Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. This is God's will for you, your sanctification, that we be saints. So, let us consider first these two concepts. One is holiness. What does it mean to be holy? And then, most importantly, what does it mean for God's will? That God's will is for us to be holy. That God wills us. To be saints. What does that mean? Well, the word holy means to be set apart. And you might say, really? That's what it means? Just be set apart? No, it doesn't mean, you know, uh, be given a dunce cap and set apart from the classroom or something and be in the corner. That's not what holiness is. The concept of holiness as being set apart is being set apart for God. So think of something that's a holy object, like your scapular, or maybe a chalice, or even the, the Bible. Well, these books, or these objects that we call holy, that we use for the liturgy, a holy vestment, you know, a holy place, a church, all these things, objects, we deem holy because we designate them for one purpose only, and that is for the worship of God, for the glory of God. And that's why we say they are holy. Now, you might say, well, that's great that all these objects be designated for divine worship. But what does it mean for a person to be holy, to be set apart for God? Well, to a first approximation, we may think that it means to be set apart from everything in the world. And this is something that um, St. Benedict in the 5th century definitely uh, lived out. He he didn't agree with the ways of the world, with the decadence that he saw in the Roman Empire. And he was inspired by God to leave the world, to just get away from the worldliness, and to go out into a deserted place and lead a life dedicated entirely to God. And we have basically the birth of religious orders and and um, people who wanted to consecrate themselves entirely for God. We also have people who dedicate themselves entirely to God through a, a consecration by holy orders, by a sacrament. And that is the ministerial priesthood. We see that. And that is the people uh, who find a call to serve as God's ministers, to provide the sacraments for, for, uh, for everyone. And the priesthood is a very special call basically to connect the, the, the world to God and God to the world through the offering of, of the Holy Eucharist and, and all the other sacraments that lead up to the Eucharist basically. This is a, you could say, a a very special call that takes you not from the world, but it certainly um, makes you dedicate yourself entirely to uh, God's service. And, and, And again, hopefully, priests are called to holiness. And right now, in our prayer, Today we pray for the holiness of all priests because it is such an important thing that if they handle holy things, and especially the, the the holiest thing that they handle is the holy Eucharist, literally touching the holy Eucharist with their hands and in the consecration and and just bringing the holy Eucharist to everyone and all the other sacraments as well that that they that their personal lives, that our personal lives, as I'm a priest as well, be in accord with what we are doing. And so we need the prayers of the church and everyone, so that each one of us priests really truly be dedicated completely to God. And same as spoke about the priesthood on many occasions and he says, I I want priests who are 100% priests, you know, priests through and through and and priests who really think and talk about God and, you know, they meditate on the Word of God and they preach the Word of God and they don't get involved in human factions and, you know, politics, so to speak, and um, they are available, and they are humble, and and also at the same time uh, learned, so that they can guide other souls precisely to be holy. But you might say, well, this is, you know, yes, priests are called to holiness, uh, the religious are called to holiness, but what about the laity? Are they called to holiness? And Saint Josemaria precisely heard, or actually not heard, but understood or saw. As he actually, that's the verb that he used. He he said he saw the 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 whole of the paths of the earth opened for everyone to be holy. On October 2nd, 1928, he saw what he then called Opus Dei, the work of God. This is the work of God, our sanctification, that everyone be a saint. And not only the people who are baptized be saints, but everyone who is not baptized to be called to receive baptism and to then not just receive baptism, but to have and and struggle to the very end to, to, to be a an even a canonizable saint as he would say so saint jose maria basically brought this message that everyone can be holy everyone is called to holiness and and you might say well but how can i dedicate my entire life to God, if, if holiness means to be set apart for God, how could I set myself apart from my family? How could I set myself apart from my, my law firm or my uh, operating table or my teaching chair or you know wherever I work or my construction work? And How could I set myself apart from all that so that I can be holy? What would Saint Maria say to that question? He would, I think, he would say that's a that's that's not a real question. That's a false. There's a false premise in that question. And what we need to realize is we need to we need to realize that our concepts are muddled. First and foremost, we need to look back in Scripture and look very carefully and see how when Jesus took on flesh when he became a man, that he wanted to actually live entirely for God and entirely, at the same time, dedicated to the service of mankind, as a carpenter, actually, with a profession, with a manual profession, actually, as a, as a, as a poor peasant manual worker he wanted us to have an example that he being God can actually take on a human work and do that work well on its own merits obeying its own kind of uh, logic and laws and 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 um, um, you know not taking any shortcuts in the carpentry work so to speak with by using his divine power but by actually submitting himself to the human requirements of daily the daily toil of work and family life and daily existence what sets us apart is not the kind of work that we do what sets us apart from for God is actually, what I, and that is what make what allows us to be holy, is the interior connection that we have with God through grace, which in Jesus was not through grace but through the hypostatic union. It was basically He being God is what. Is, is what uh, made him, if you could say made, is what allowed him to be holy. He, was, he is completely holy because he is God, period. There's no, no, no comment on that. right? But for us, it comes through grace, through being in the state of grace. When we are plugged into grace, we are another Christ, Christ himself. And then we can offer sacrifices out of everything that we do. And that way we can sanctify ourselves, sanctify our work, and give light to others who are around us, because we're not alone in this world. And, and it's not that we sanctify ourselves as, as if we didn't have God. No, it's that we have the ability, because of God, to you know, communicate God's life into this world. It's such a an amazing concept. St. Maria talked about having the Midas touch once we are with God. Because everything we touch somehow, not because of our power, right? Because we would otherwise be proud of ourselves. And it's not about us. It's about what God does in us. So holiness is really not something we do, but something we, we let God do through our lives. And and that's the amazing miracle of holiness. We become divinized, and then we, we also divinize the things that we do, the things that we touch, the people we come in touch with, and so on. Everything is renewed. The whole world is renewed. This is, the, this is actually the main purpose of the vocation of Adam and Eve. They were supposed to have done this, but of course they fell out of the state of grace, And because of that, they were unable to carry forth the plan of God to give glory to God in this way, to till the garden and to keep it to finish creation and to make it, you know, to have an added value of their creativity, of their, you know, um, giving new form to things and development of, of every created reality. Well, all that does not take us away from God. All that can be Actually, a vehicle so that we can be totally dedicated to God. So, what takes us away from God is sin, and that's what we have to avoid. It's evil that we have to avoid, not the world, materially speaking, you know, um, because the world, materially speaking, as we know from Genesis, is good. Actually, God created it, so it must be good. What's evil is our disordered will towards that uh, world, or or and towards God. You know, we become attached to the world and we go far away from God. We become uh, enemies of God and too too attached to the world in a disorderly way. Now that is, I think, what we can say about holiness but what does it mean for God to want us to be holy and the reason why I say this is um, this is an issue is because well it is easy to say well this church is is holy or this chalice is holy or this object is holy but when you're dealing with free persons well you come across a the barrier of freedom. Every single act that we perform can is a choice for us. It can be made holy or not, and it depends on what we want to do with that. You know, we can actually um, decide not to offer it up to God, or we can decide to offer it up to God. You know, so it, somehow it depends on us, and and. And the question really is, well, what does it mean for God's will is for us to be holy? And, and, and you might say, well, it, it just means that God wishes we would say yes to him and no to our selfish ends. And Well, if that's what it means, well, then that's, that's very easy to understand. But what makes it difficult to understand is that how could God's will not be done? I mean, God's will is God's will. God's will is always done, you know. God's will is, he's the almighty God. So, in fact, you know, this reminds us of what we say in the Our Father. What does it mean for us to say, you know, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? This is something we need to think about because it's not obvious, what does it mean for God to to will and for us to pray that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Isn't God all powerful? Can he just do it? Can he just will it? You know. Now, if God willed us to be saints and and he's all powerful, then we wouldn't have a choice. Then we would have to be holy. That's it. No no questions asked. Even if I tried not to be holy, but God's will is to be holy, then then I guess he he wins, you know. And that's it. Is that the way it works? No, that's not the way it works. God respects our freedom, and that's the whole mystery. It's our holiness is yes, God's will, but at the same time, it is our will. It is a joint venture of these wills. Here's what Pope Benedict says in his book Jesus of Nazareth, Volume One, when he comments on the petition of the Our Father, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I'm going to read this because I think it is very insightful. Two things are immediately clear from the words of this petition. God has a will with and for us and it must become the measure of our willing and being. And the essence of heaven is that It is where God's will is unswervingly done. Or, to put it in somewhat different terms, where God's will is done is heaven. The essence of heaven is oneness with God's will. The oneness of will and truth. Earth becomes heaven when and insofar as God's will is done there. And it is merely earth... The opposite of heaven, when and insofar as it withdraws from the will of God. This is why we pray that it may be on earth as it is in heaven. That earth may become heaven, so to speak. This is a very interesting way of looking at things, because it means that we are praying, basically, that we have enough humility, I would say, in order, for, in order to let God come into our lives and allow His will to be done in our lives, in my life, you know, in my life. And that requires humility, docility. Docility is that virtue which comes from the verb doccio, which means to learn. So it's The ability to learn God's will, the ability to discern God's will, and to put it into practice. Think of Saint Joseph, how he discerned God's will at every turn, where he led the Holy Family. You know, he had to he he discerned it was God's will to obey the census, so he went into. Bethlehem even though his wife was pregnant. I mean he could have excused himself but he didn't because he discerned that it was God's will. He discerned that it was God's will even before that take Mary as his wife, of course with the, the, the dialogue with the angel. he discerned it was God's will uh, to go into Egypt. he discerned it was God's will, to not return to Judea, but to go to Nazareth, and so on and so forth. There's a he, there's a docility, an ability to make God's will his own. And where does this happen? Where does it happen? It happens in St. Joseph's conscience. That's where we get to know God's will. When we pray for wisdom in our own conscience. That's where... The whisper of God is heard. That's why prayer is so important for holiness. Because we need to discern God's will at every moment. Because it's not just God's will in general, let's let's just be holy. But it's, what do I do here and now? How do I do that? And we have to hear that little whisper of the Holy Spirit within us. But for that, we need, well silence silence of what material silence perhaps it helps but you know more importantly the silence of our passions you know because when we are totally angry well we're gonna be biased and you know what we're gonna think that God wants us you know God wants us to uh, you know to I don't know avenge our the injustice we suffered or something like that. Maybe, 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 I don't know. I don't know what the, what the, what the situation is. But, but sometimes we're kind of biased and what we're really listening to is the voice of our anger because we suffered an injustice, let's say. Or when we fall in love with someone that maybe we shouldn't have fallen in love with, uh, well, you know, everything becomes cloudy because the feelings there are so powerful The feelings of the heart are so powerful that they cloud our judgment, and somehow we we confuse God's will with the will of of the um, of the or the feeling I would say of romance, and we say, well, how could it not be God's will if this relationship makes me really really happy and it just gives me so much uh, you know uh, pleasure and and happiness and and um, mirth and and the relationship I have with my wife is just so terrible and dark and depressing and, you know, I, I don't know, I just don't see God, how God's will for me is to remain with my wife. Well, you know, um, that passion is clouding our judgment because we made a commitment. In the sacrament, you know, and God gives us his grace in the sacrament of marriage at that point. So, there are so many instances of it. I just bring up two, to take two, there are two big passions, you know, the irascible appetite and the and the concupiscible appetite um, in extreme ways, but just to give you an illustration of what goes on. But this happens People feel that way, you know, and and feelings cloud judgment. And so what we need in order to discern God's will um, is to pray. But because of sin and because of this cloudiness that we have, God also has given us an aid, which is he wrote it down. And he wrote it down in the Bible. And that's why we have received Holy Scripture, so that we can go back and actually read these stories, the history of salvation, and see well, we can reread our lives into into those psalms, into that history of salvation, that journey of the chosen people, you know, to the promised land, which is analogous to our journey to holiness, towards holiness. So, you know, we we need to we need to ask ourselves deep within our conscience you know am i living by a christian existence according to the the what jesus says the teachings of jesus at the sermon on the mount for instance you know the beatitudes the pope says that's the identity card of the christian well can people recognize me as a christian because of the way i behave well for that God has written it down, the Holy Spirit has written it down for us, for us to meditate. Very important. And also I would say the example of the saints, who are in some way the 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 continuity of holy scripture, you know? And we look back at the lives of the saints, beautiful ways, that creative ways, new ways, each one is unique, a unique flower in the garden of God's uh, creation and and they can give us ideas and 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 examples and and even inspire us as to how we can lead a life of holiness. Beautiful examples, even modern day examples and contemporary examples of how to do that. But also, I would say, um, yes, prayer, yes, meditation on Scripture, but also. Look at the Bible and, and see how many times Jesus actually, for someone to be holy, um, says, go to somebody else or, or get advice, get advice from somebody, you know, and, and I don't mean Jesus specifically, but I mean just in general, people who are in the Bible, characters in the Bible who get advice from somebody else. And you might say, well, they could have gone to God directly. Well, why? Well, God didn't want that. Think of Saint Paul. Yes, Jesus appears to Saint Paul in the, on the road to Emmaus, but but he doesn't finish the job. Jesus doesn't finish the job with Paul. He says, "Well, go to Damascus and go to this guy Ananias, and you, he'll he'll tell you what to do." Why in the world would Jesus not kind of just do everything himself if he's right there? If he's got, you know. Um, why does he have? Anani- why does he solicit the help of Ananias? Well, because it gives glory to God that we help each other on our way to holiness. You know, this is this a very important part of holiness is spiritual guidance, or as the Pope likes to call it, spiritual accompaniment. That we all help each other, like Naaman, the Syrian, who was a leper, and he. He went to the prophet, you know, to get advice, and he told him, well, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan. And Naaman said, oh, come on, I'm not going to do that. That's a terrible river. I've got better rivers in my home. And then his slave says, hey, listen, I mean, if he had told you to do something more difficult, would he have done it? Well, yeah, but he told me to do something really dumb. It's like, well, listen, it's just easy. Why don't you do it? Well, fine. He did it, and he got cured. Why? Well, because he listened. He listened. You know, this is this is. It takes humility to listen to a, to someone. And you might say, well, who do I listen to? How do I know I'm listening to the right person? Because I could listen to anybody. I could I could solicit advice from anybody and actually get all sorts of different kinds of advice. And you might say, well, yes. I think the important thing in a in in somebody who's guiding your soul is that they themselves be. Uh, looking for holiness themselves and struggling for holiness themselves. And so, you know, naturally, I think a, a priest comes to mind, or or a religious. I mean, hopefully, they're struggling uh, for holiness and and they're learned and, and they're in the business, so to speak. But but also, laity, well-formed lady. I mean, parents, I think, need to guide their children up to a certain age, you know. But then, after a certain age, they have to introduce them to maybe holy mentors or. Mentors who can guide them, you know, who, who who can then, you know, open up new horizons for them, and so on. Uh, I want to mention this passage from the letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians, um, because this I find very interesting and, and germane to this topic. He says, Therefore, we too give thanks to God without ceasing, because when you heard and received from us the word of God, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it truly is the word of God, who works in you who have believed. Now, that's incredible. So, what is Paul saying here? Paul is saying that he is in awe. He gives thanks to God, right? Without ceasing. I mean, that's a lot of thanksgiving. Because, why? Because these Thessalonians, these Greeks, right, they have done something that he did not expect. Um, now, to a Jew, like St. Paul, the Greeks were like barbarians, you know, they were like, you know, brutes and, I don't know, think of, uh, I don't know, just uh, big, uh, unruly people and they just don't know a lot of things, you know, and... Um, and he said, but but now I'm really impressed. Because you welcomed my word, the word of a man, not as a word as the word of a man, but as the word of God. You saw behind my words the word of God. Now that's incredible. He says that 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 I did not expect, you know? And yes, the Greeks may have been learned and all that stuff, but they're ultimately pagans, you know, they don't have the 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 instincts of a Jew, you know, and all that for the one true God. But when they heard the word of God, they took it as the word of God. And St. Paul's like, wow, I mean, how how do you do that? Well, because they have believed. And if they have believed, then the word works in them, you know, the word of God who works in you who have believed. Basically, if you believe that my word was the word of of God, because you discerned it in your conscience, you took it to your prayer, and you you meditated it, and and, and you said, yes, I, I have to do this, because, you know, I heard this from Paul, and, and yes, what he says makes sense, and I, th- I think that is what God is asking me to do, and I do believe this is the you know what God God's will is for me, then, well, blessed are you. Blessed are you, O Thessalonian, for, you know, believing that God acted through a man. <laughs> you know, that God acted through a man. Uh, in this case, Paul in in helping you discern the will of God for you and 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 getting you closer one more step towards holiness. Well this is um this is what I would like to end with that Lord give us discernment in our conscience give us the ability to be to silence all the noise you know that comes from our passions so that we can hear your voice in the whisper of your word in scripture that resonates within us. And then help me to follow those mm, people in my life in my life that act as lights for me so that Whether they're saints in the past or people right now present in my life, whoever they are, that I may be able to discern your will for me here and now so that I can take one little step further towards holiness, to doing your will, to bringing heaven to earth or transforming the earth that I have here in front of me into into heaven. Because what does it mean to be in heaven? It means to do your will. Let us turn to Our Lady, who is an example of perfect holiness. She did the will of God all the time. And and it was not because she she took it upon herself to do it at all costs. It was not something she did primarily, but something she let God do in her. That's why she said fiat, which in Latin means let it be done. Let it be done unto me according to thy word. And this is what we can take to our prayer, this fiat of Our Lady, this example of Mary, so that we too can go forward in our path to holiness. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect, my Immaculate Mother. St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.